You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. Good morning, Radiant Church. So good to see all of you. Hope you guys are having a fantastic Memorial Day weekend so far. Um, Before we get into the message, I have a few updates I want to share with you concerning the future here at Radiant Church in this summer. The first update is this. Next week, we're going to kick off summer with a standalone message. It's entitled, Gigging Past Your Past. Gigging Past Your Past. And I think this is a really, really important message Because for some of us here or watching online, your past is the greatest deterrent from really living out or walking into the future that Christ has already won for you. And in this message, I'm going to interview my friend, Claire Zielinski. And if you don't know Claire, she's a part of Radiant Church. She's been a part of Radiant Church for about three years now, and God has radically transformed her life, I'm telling you. She's got an amazing story that she's going to share with us. So it's going to be a great time, great testimony. Um, Parents, let me just offer this caveat here. Um, Her testimony is not going to be like overly crass or inappropriate. However, it will deal with some mature topics. So um, just kind of throwing that out there for you. You want to make sure they're checked into a classroom. If you can't get them in a classroom, the little earbuds and throw those in their ears and, you know, earmuffs so they can't hear the things, but I promise you it won't be inappropriate, but you may not want them to hear some of the stuff that she's going to report. So um, that's coming up next week. And then also, it gets even better next week as we kick off summer. We're also having Sweet Treats ice cream truck here all the way from Mount Pleasant. That's right. Anybody excited about ice cream? Come on, somebody. After both services, that was weak. Gosh, what the heck, you guys? <laughs> there we go, in the back, yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's pathetic. I know it's Memorial Day weekend, but goodness gracious, where is Radiant Church? Man, free ice cream, you guys. Nothing says, I love you. Why did I love you? Or nothing says, happy summer? Yeah, happy summer, like, um, what are those cones with the little nuts on them? Drumstick, thank you, yes. Nothing says, Happy summer like a drumstick, okay? So um, come celebrate. That's going to be a great time after both services. And guess what? It's absolutely free, right? So it's going to be amazing. And the week after that will be June 13th. We are going to kick off our summer series entitled uh, Kingdom Manifesto. Uh, these, this is an eight-week message series on the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are a part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Uh, Matthew chapter 5, 1 through 12, to be exact. And uh, just a warning, uh, the Beatitudes are like some of the most radical things that that Jesus said um, in the Scripture. I mean, they are radically countercultural from what we know, uh, what we know to live the blessed life. Jesus pretty much says it's the opposite. 
And so um, you're going to want to be here as we kick that off on June 13th. This summer, we have Serve Day coming up as well in July. That's going to be amazing. We've got, I think we've got three locations this year, which is really great. And if you've never been a part of Serve Day, I want you to get involved in it. Let's have more volunteers than we ever have. We serve at different loca- locations in our city. It's just one way that we can love our city in a very tangible way. We can be the hands and feet of Jesus. And so I'll give you more details on that very, very soon. We've got a a few um, guest speakers lined up for this summer as well. I'm still trying to get them in place. So I'm still making phone calls and text messages, but uh, we're really excited about summer here at Radiant Church. It's going to be great. We want to see you in person as well, all right, in the flesh. That's right. If you've been hunkering down for nine months, stop. Get to church now, all right? It's officially over. Let's do this. Let's do this thing called life. Let's do this thing called church in person, and it's going to be an awesome time, all right? That's right. You can clap for that. Woo! I'm excited. You're excited. We're all excited, okay? All right, well, today we are in our final installment of Rhythms of Arrest. Can we make some noise for Adam Arnold and Troy Nayer, who kicked off the series? Yeah, they did a great job. Um, I'm so grateful for those guys who carried this series, and I get to, to finish it up to wrap up that series. But the heartbeat of this series, Rhythms or Rhythms of Rest, has been this idea that God instituted rest, and he instituted rest for two specific reasons. The first reason was for that we could be revitalized so that we might find physical or or, or emotional rest. But the second reason God established the Sabbath or rest itself is that we might commune with him, that we might commune with with him. So there is this, this worship aspect of Sabbath that we don't often talk about. We think of Sabbath, which is, oh, it's just my nap. Oh, I'm not going to do this. It's, it's date night. Yeah, that's all good, and, and that's great. But Sabbath is also to, to re-communicate, to, to be in community with God. There's an aspect of worship that we sometimes forget about. You know, in first, call, in first service, I was talking about how our culture is desperately looking to find Sabbath, but they're, they're missing the mark. They're not finding it. And I love what Adam said in week one because, I mean, I think he captured that so well in, in our culture, especially if I can just say it, Bay City culture, this sort of Bay County culture with the Sunday fun day thing. The Sunday fun day, right, is the dude who posts the Instagram photo with no shirt on, like just be red from the sun, right, just like, yeah, like, so, like look, at my, look at my vacation, like, yeah, like right? And there's excessive drinking, right? There's the, they're slamming beers, and by the end of the weekend, right, they're sunburned, and they're probably still hungover, and they really haven't received any rest, okay? And in all reality, there's no worship to God. That's our culture's sort of view of the Sabbath. It's the Sunday fun day. It's live your best life. It's experience all the pleasure you can, right? Everybody's working for the weekend, right? Come on, somebody, right? Lover boy, I just, listened, I just watched that video last night on YouTube. I was getting, man, those guys were getting into it too back in the day. I was like, wow. And so uh, anyways, right, we're all living for the weekend. That's Sunday fun day. The Sabbath is, that's not what we're talking about, though. Sabbath is revitalizing, but also what? Uh, Worship to God. It's about worship. It's about him. And so when we remove God from the equation, that's not a Sabbath. That's, that's you're going back to what culture is trying to find, that Sunday, that uh, Sunday fun day. And listen, can I just tell you? that the Sunday Funday is a counterfeit. It is a counterfeit. It, it falls short of the rest of God. 
Now, Mark Buchanan is a pastor. I think he's a pastor. He's an author. He wrote a book called The Rest of God, and I've read pieces of it and bits of it for this series. And Mark Buchanan describes the rest of God like this. I love this, um, I love this definition. The rest of God is the rest God invites us to enter more fully so that we might know him more deeply. You see that twofold uh, purpose there of Sabbath, that we, we enter into it not only for physical rest, but that we might know him to a greater degree, to a greater level, that we might know him more deeply. Some people, they, they have these wild vacations, and they may experience a, li- a, bit, a little bit of restfulness, but, but just a few hours later, they're back to restlessness. Their souls are restless, and they haven't found the rest of God. Because why? Because they haven't found Jesus. That's why. Mark Buchanan says this is about also knowing God more deeply. The Lexham Theological Workbook, which sounds like a really fancy book, it's just, it's got all kinds of cool things in it, it describes rest as this. Rest is a restorative break from labor. I think that's the part that we, we're pretty familiar with, right? We know I'm not going to work, I'm going to nap, all those things right? Um, And worldly striving, which I want to talk about today, by the way. We'll come back to that in a minute. Don't worry. In the Bible, it is an essential feature of the Sabbath, a day of rest on which no work was to be done, as a time of peace and calm, free from work. Rest comes to symbolize salvation itself, okay? So again, this definition is telling us that rest is a break from labor But rest is also a break from worldly striving. That's what I want to talk to you this morning. I want to talk to you this morning about ceasing from worldly striving. In week number one, in fact, if you you missed this series, you can go back on our podcast on your Android or your, your iPhone. You can go back on our YouTube page. You can watch these messages to catch up. But in week number one, Adam talked about this idea of restoring um, Sabbath to restore our souls. Week number two, Troy talked about this idea of being still, being still in the midst of a busy, noisy culture to what? To find inner peace and intimacy with God. And this morning, I have the privilege of being back at the pulpit, finishing this series and talking about resting or ceasing from worldly striving. I'll tell you what that's about in just a minute. Hey, can we do this? Can we just pray for just a moment? And then we'll dive in. Lord, we love you, and we thank you so much for your presence here. We thank you for this holiday weekend, and I pray, God, that my friends in here have had some time to rest, but not only um, physical rest, but, God, a rest that is in communion with you, God, a rest that leads to worship, God, a rest for our souls, God, not just a Sunday fun day, but, God, a rest for our souls. Um, Lord, would you just be so kind uh, but to give us your spirit right now, to open our eyes, to open our ears, um, that we might hear this message. And God, give us courage and the boldness that we need to walk it out, to really live this thing out called Christian faith. In the midst of a culture, for the most part, is pretty, um, lots of animosity towards the Christian faith right now. We see that on the rise. But God, give us courage to be bold in our proclamation of the gospel, to continue to love other people well, even those we don't like and even those we don't agree with, God, so that we might shine the light of Jesus in this world. We pray in God's holy name, Jesus' name, amen. 
Amen. All right. Well, let's talk about this idea of a worldly striving. What is a worldly striving? Uh, here's a definition for you, just so that we're all on the same page. Worldly striving is making strenuous effort towards a few different things. Significance, purpose, status, approval from others, and the world. Hang on with me. I want you to pay attention. Worldly striving is when we make great efforts to what? We want to find significance in this life because who doesn't? Worldly striving means we're trying to look for purpose, right? Worldly striving means we want status, whatever that means for you. I don't know. That's different for everyone, to be honest. We want approval from people, and we want approval from the world. We want to be accepted. This is, this is the idea of worldly striving. Now, here's the, here's, the, here's the thing, you guys. All of us participate in worldly striving. We all want to be accepted. We all want to love. We want to feel like we belong. All of us. No one is exempt from this. I don't care how introverted you are. You participate in worldly striving. And I want to give you just a few examples so that we're all, again, so we're on the same page. I can make this very real for all of you. The first, and I think the most obvious case for worldly striving is um, this idea of a religious striving, religious striving. What does that mean? That means when we, we've got to be involved in every Bible study. We've got to serve on every ministry team. We've got to, we've got to watch all the Christian movies there ever existed. We've got, to, we've got to do all things Bible. I mean, those are all good. But when we're trying to build our lives on that, when we're trying to build our identity on that, because we, we're we're trying to seek approval from God, then that's where it goes wrong. Right? We do things because we want God to like us better, to love us more. It's called religious striving. Those things aren't bad, right? You should read your Bible. You better be reading your Bible. You should serve. We could use a few more of you to serve. Adam's on the camera. We need some more people to serve, okay? Those things are good. Bible studies are good. But when you're doing it because you want God to love you more, then it's bad. You're striving religiously. What about this? Uh, we strive in life um, with the clothes that we buy. We, we don't always do this consciously, but sometimes we do. Why? Because we want to be taken seriously. We want people to think that we're on that professional level. You know what I mean? We want the skinny khakis from American Eagle, whatever that is, right? We want to look good. We, maybe we want to have more sexual appeal. Maybe we want to, to seem relevant to our coworkers, to those we're around us. So what do we do? We strive to buy the latest stuff, the latest fashions. We're trying to figure out what's the best outfit for this occasion and for that occasion. Again, it's, clothes aren't bad. You should buy clothes. You should wear clothes to church. Thank God for that, right? However, listen, when you're looking for approval from others, when you're looking for significance, for status, then it goes south. It goes dark. It gets dark. What about this? We strive. We participate in worldly striving through certain or when we try to portray a certain image through our social media feed. Now, none of you guys do this because we're all holy in this room, but um, when, when we do this, that was a joke. That didn't land very well, though. Um, but when we do this, <laughs> when we do this, listen, we're, we're looking for acceptance and approval from what? From other people, right? So you post that picture and you're thinking in your head, man, this is going to easily get me. I'm thinking like low, low level, 50 likes, high level, like 120. And so 
you post it, and then four hours later, right, you're like, I'm not even going to check my phone. I'm not even going to do that. Like, okay, here it comes. Seven likes, that's it, right? Seven likes, and then your friend who posts a picture of the cat playing with a ball of yarn, it's like 180 likes. Are you serious? Is this what people are liking these days? You're like, oh, my gosh, right? I, right? You're looking for significance. None of you guys do that. I know that, but, you know. Some of us, listen, we strive. We strive when we become obsessed with our bodies and a certain body image, Here's what happens. We look in the mirror, and we don't like what we see. And because of that, we become obsessed with the latest fad diet, right? We become obsessed with the gym, or maybe it's the tanner every day, and we have to have that perfect body image, that perfect sort of brownish color, whatever it is for you, right? And we're just obsessed. And why? We want people to approve us to like. We're starving for affection. We're starving for attention. So we're striving. I got to hit the gym again. I got to go for another run. Why? Because I ate a brownie, so now I got to run three miles, right? We're striving so that other people might accept us and love us. Worldly striving. We strive when we enter into ungodly and unhealthy relationships. And I've seen this probably in the church more than anything, to be honest with you. We, we strive because, well, again, we want acceptance. We want love. We want to feel like we, we belong. So we enter into a relationship that we have no business being involved in because someone gives us a little bit of attention. Someone tells us we look attractive or whatever it is, right? And we think, well, I don't want to be single for the rest of my life. And, and because of that, this idea, we, we're thinking in, in, in our heads, I feel like a second-class citizen, Marco because I'm not married, and all my friends are married, and they're starting to have kids, and I'm not having kids, and, and, and I can't even find a boyfriend or whatever it is, right, for you. And, and what are you doing? What are you doing? You're looking for what? Significance through the opposite sex. You're looking for status. You're looking for approval. You want to be loved. And again, there's nothing wrong with being married. Get married. Have kids. That's what the Bible tells us to do, to be fruitful and multiply. Hello, right? And some of y'all are better than others at it, but whatever. Either way, listen, the thing is, when we look for approval and for love and for belonging in that, it's dark. We're worldly striving. I've got a few more examples. Hang out with me for a few more seconds. When we buy certain possessions like the best cars or the best electronic gadgets, we're striving, right? We want people to think that we're successful. We, we, we want our lives to look good. What about this one? Um, what about just in your accomplishments and in your achievements or um, your productivity, right? Your productivity, you want to accomplish all that you can. You want to do all that you can. You want to achieve all that you can be. Um, why? Because you want, you really, really, uh, somewhere in the back, you, you really just want people to say, wow, it's amazing. You are incredible. You got a PhD and you're only 32 years old? Wow. You started this nonprofit business and you're only 27 years old? Wow. You did how much in sales last year? Wow, you were you like you were amazing. You're like, well, no, I mean, yeah, but no, right? You're looking for what significance? You're striving, um, young people. If there's any high school students in here, how how do high school students strive? Well, there's a lot of ways that you can strive. I don't have time. One of the ways that you might strive is by getting like the perfect report card, all A's. You're bending over backwards. Nothing wrong with getting all A's, but you're trying to what? You're trying to, to find yourself in that. What about athletics? You want to be the best baseball player 
possible. So what do you do? You bow down to the God of baseball. That's what you do. That's what you do. You serve the God of baseball, and, and baseball becomes your idol, your life. It, it's become everything that you're, you're building your life on. It's not something that you just do because you enjoy, and maybe you're naturally talented at it. Praise God for that, and that's, that's great. But now you've built your life on that. Uh, this, it, baseball has become an altar for you, and you, you literally bow down and worship to the idol of baseball or football, whatever it is for you. I don't Volleyball or ping pong, I don't know what it is for you, okay? So what happens when we don't achieve our goals? What, what, what happens when we're striving for the perfect body image? We're striving so we can be the best mom, right? The, the best mom so our kids will, will behave perfectly because, uh, come on, I'm a parent, and I feel that stress. I feel that pressure, right? I feel that pressure. And parents, you feel it too, right? Whenever our kids misbehave in front of us, we're like, oh, I'm sorry, that's my kid. Sorry about that. Uh, there he is again, oh, okay, right? And we're like, hey, get over here, right? right? We, we're like, we're embarrassed, right? We're, we're striving. What happens when we fail? What happens when we don't live up to our own expectations? What happens when we don't live up to the assumed expectations of other people? And by the way, that, that, that's, that, that's me too, right? I, I deal with the same thing, if I can be honest with you, I, all the time. I wrestle with it. All. I wish I didn't, but I'm, I'm being vulnerable. I wrestle with it probably too much than I should. How was that last sermon I delivered? What am I doing, right? How am I moving forward? How, am I, how are we growing the church? How are we doing this? How are we doing that? How am I comparing to, to Pastor Mike? And how, how am I comparing to blah, blah, blah? And I'm like, it just becomes crazy. It becomes crazy, right? So what happens when we fail? Because we're always going to fail, right? Here's what happens when we fail. Here's what happens when we, we just can't live up to that expectation. We just don't win coach of the year. We don't win parent of the year for sure. What happens? Well, here's what happens when we fail because we will. We feel like we don't add up. We feel unworthy. We feel like a complete failure. Um, so then we tell our spouse, I'm a, I'm a failure, right? I'm a, I just, I suck, right? And uh, I'm no good at anything. We feel unloved. We feel like we don't belong. We don't, we don't fit in. Um, we feel like we're not accepted, and we feel like we're not loved. That's what happens. And can I just tell you, we will fail. You will not live up to your own expectations. I promise you, you won't. I, I wish I could say otherwise. And my guess is that some of you are here, and, and it's not maybe that you're physically exhausted. It's not that. But my guess is that some of you are, um, you're exhausted because you've been striving in the world. I just want to be the perfect wife. I just want to be the perfect mom. I just want to, why isn't my son eating the crackers when I ask him to, right? I just want to be, I just want to. Perfect teacher. I just want to have. The, I just. I'm making 75k a year. I just want to make 100 because that would give me a little more flexibility, and I could just do those things. People would think I'm more successful if I make 100 grand a year. I'm not. I'm not quite there yet. I, I did this much in sales last year, but I gotta do this this year. Why am I still single? I'm just. I'm, I must be ugly. I must not be loved by anybody. Right, 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 right. It's it's crushing. The burden is crushing, and it's unforgiving. It's unforgiving, and you cannot live your life this way. Can I just tell you that? You cannot live your life this way. What does Jesus say then to a group of people like us who might be weary, who might be tired, who might be exhausted, worn out, not physically, but because you're striving. You just got to get one more social media like. I just got to get one more Instagram story for people to like me. It's got to get, oh, I just got to get one more sale and I'll be happy. 
Here's what Jesus says. Three little verses that we're going to camp out for this morning. Matthew chapter 11, 28 through 30. I know that you know these verses. A lot of you do. But we're going we're gonna to hone in on them for a few moments. Here's the words of Jesus. He says this, come to me. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. Let me just pause there for a minute. Are you weary? Are you burdened? What are you striving for? What are you trying to find purpose from? Where does your significance come from in life? Are you tired because you just, I just can't get there? Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That's the key there. You'll find rest for your souls. Let's keep, continue. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. light. Yoke is easy, my burden is light. In the first century context here, a yoke was this Harness, this heavy wooden harness where two oxen would stick their heads in. It's kind of a strange contraption. And what they would do, it would join the two oxen together so that they might plow more efficiently, right? Now, in this context, it doesn't quite mean that, just in case you're wondering. But Jesus plays off this idea of a yoke being heavy, of being what? burdensome to those who wear it around their necks. In this context, Jesus is actually referring to the yoke represents his teaching. So Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, right? I'm going to give you rest. My yoke, my teaching is what? Is light. It's easy. Not in the sense that it's less stringent or less holy. No, 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 none of those things. Or not even less important. Not at all. But it's not laborious. In other words, it will not be burdensome towards you. Jesus does the work. We follow him. And in this day and age, or in this, yeah, in this context, the Jews were under this heavy, oppressive burden to what? To live under the law, but not just the law. That's not, that's not it. It was the law as interpreted by the religious rulers of that day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And when the Pharisees and Sadducees interpreted the law, those, what is it, 613 rules, laws, literally laws, it was burdensome, it was cumbersome. It was like a law upon a law upon a law, and that law was for that law, which was for that law, which was for that law, and then that law was connected to that law. And the people, the Jewish people, were just like, oh, they were burdened. It was like they could not do good. No matter what they did, there was always something wrong. The Pharisees would kind of swoop in and say, no, you didn't do that right. And that's not according to the law. And this is, it was like it was never ending. In fact, in Matthew chapter 23, Jesus describes the Pharisees and the Sadducees as being ones who tie cumbersome burdens around the shoulders or the necks of people. He says, but you yourselves are not willing to lift a finger. He calls them out on this. 
So Jesus says, come to me. Because when you come to Jesus, you can cease from what? From religious striving. But it's not only religious striving. It's everything else included or what we just talked about over the last several minutes. Here's what I want you to see in this verse here. If you can put that beginning verse up. I think it's verse 28. Um, Beth, if you don't mind. The amazing thing about Jesus is that Jesus doesn't call us to keep the law. But what he does call us to is to what? Come to him. And in coming to him, right, there's the fulfillment of the law. Of course, the law is written on our hearts, absolutely. But we're commanded to what? Come to Christ, to come to him, to, to dwell with him, to be drawn into a relationship with him. Jesus invites us to himself, and in Jesus, all striving ceases. All striving ceases. Now, you might be thinking, Marco, what's the big deal about, what is the big deal about worldly striving? After all, I'm just trying to better my life. I'm just trying to achieve my goals. I'm just trying to, to hit my, my marker for how much I have to sell this year. I'm just trying to increase my audience. I'm just trying to get more followers. I'm just, that might be all good. I'm just trying to contribute to society. Maybe you are. And that's, you're right. There's not necessarily anything wrong or evil about that. Here's where it turns dark. Where we so often make the mistake is this. We so often begin to build our lives on the things that we do instead of building our lives on the one who created us. Right? We build our lives on what we do and not the one who made us. And so we find what? Our identity in that thing, whatever it is. Whatever, maybe it's working out for you. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's whatever achievements in your line of work. I don't know what that is for you, but you know it. And I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to show that to you in the next few minutes. Holy Spirit, show your people where they're striving right now. Shelley Miller says this in her book, Rhythms of Rest. She says, most of us have believed the fallacy the world advertises, because this is what the world tells us. Achieve, produce, and earn success in order to, that's the key phrase, in order to what? To gain acceptance, love, and ultimate happiness. If I can just do this, if I can just get this following, if I can just get this more viewers, if I can just make this much money, if I can just get this championship, if I can just, for me, this is what it is, if I can just get this many people at the church, if I can grow, if we can just get another campus, if we can just build that broadcast room, if we can build another uh, more cameras, if we can just do this, it's, just, it's, just, it's endless. It's endless, right? This is what she's talking about here. Worldly striving equals achieving, producing, and earning success in order to gain acceptance and love and happiness. But the gospel tells us a different story. The gospel tells us this. The gospel says that in Jesus, it means in communion with Jesus, in a relationship with Jesus. So some of you might not have that relationship. As I, as I kind of scour the room and look out through the room, I don't know who's saved and who's not saved, who's walking with Jesus. I mean, you, you can fool me. Anybody can fool me right now. But in Jesus, this is for only those of us who are following Jesus, who will follow Jesus. I want you to follow Jesus this morning. In Jesus, we are what? We're accepted. We're loved and approved of. Not because of anything that we could do or we could ever accomplish, but because of what Jesus has accomplished on our behalf. 
That's where we find significance, status, purpose, love, acceptance, like we belong. That's where we find it in Jesus. You can't find it in anyone else because why? Because the burden of that is crushing. Spouses, right, those who are married, you can't put that on your husband. Wives, wives, you can't put that on your husbands. Why? Because they're going to fail you. They're going to let you down. No one can hold that burden. It will crush them. And so who can only hold that burden? Jesus himself. If you're, just, if you're, like, you're in a marriage, you're like, oh, my gosh, I, th- I thought he was the perfect guy. I thought he was going to be the perfect man. I see underwear and socks on the door, on the floor. What's going on here? God, I prayed for a perfect spouse. It doesn't exist. If you put that burden on your spouse, it will crush them. It will flatten them. If you put it on your children, it will crush your kids. This is what I'm discovering about parenting. In my personality, I want Ezra to be perfect. I don't ever want him to disobey. I never want him to talk back. But there are times where he's figuring it out. I'm not making, I'm not making exceptions for it. But I'm letting him grow and learn. I'm, I'm trying to. It's hard. I'm a one on the Enneagram. So I'm like, ah, right? But I'm trying my best. I'm trying to figure this out, this whole parenting thing. I'm trying not to let the, uh, the, burden, of the, the burden of the perfect pastor's kids lie on my kids. Why? Because it will crush them and they will run far from the church and God. Someone said, preach. Adam taught us this word called Shabbat. It's the Hebrew word for um, Sabbath, Sabbaton. Sabbaton is the Greek word. It simply means to cease. Isn't that beautiful? To cease. And we must also cease from worldly striving in order to what? To truly find rest. If you want to find rest, I mean true rest, you have to stop worldly striving. You have to cease from it even if it's just for 24 hours, because we all naturally participate in it. You see what I'm saying? It's really hard, and I wrestle with this again a little bit more than I, I, I probably should, but I, but I do because I'm human. I'm trying to work that out with God. I'm learning to have emotional health in my own life. It's a process. It's a journey. I'm not perfect. I'm a mess sometimes. I'm working through it. I'm learning about myself, learning how to, how to be loved by God. Can I just say that to you? I'm learning how to be loved by God. It's a process. So what if we persist in worldly striving? I basically already told you the answer to that, but let's go through it for just one second. What if, what if we continue to say, no, 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 I must earn my acceptance. No, 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 I must have what I must have. No, 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 I, I have to earn my love from God and from other people. Here's what will happen. If we persist in worldly striving, the things that were supposed to bring us purpose, value, and joy become a heavy and cumbersome burden, okay? So taking, for example, the gym, right? You want to look good. You want to get, you want the summer's coming up. You want the six-pack. I mean, it's probably too late if you haven't been working out for this time, but whatever. Um, You want to look good. You want the perfect body, and you're going to start going to the gym. And if you're obsessed with that thing, uh, right, if you're just obsessed with that, it's going to let you down every time. It's going to be an obligation. It's going to be a burden to you. It's going to be um, an idol to you. If you continually strive for those things, it becomes an obligation. 
Achieving our goals was supposed to bring us purpose, right? But now we live and die by those things. Now we find our identity in those things. Because I didn't do this this year, and I thought I was going to go this far this year. I'm a failure. I just feel like I let my blank down. You, you fill in the blank. I just feel like I didn't do what I should have did. I just feel like I... Can I just tell you that you're, you're, that's going to happen probably a lot through your whole lifetime. If you build your identity on that thing, it will always have power over you. And Jesus says, I'm your master, not that thing. We're supposed to be human beings, but some of us have become human doings, right? What if the things that we did in this life, achievements, goals, exercise programs, fad diets, um, athletic greatness, academic greatness, um, making money, sales, uh, how big of our house, how, how, how big of a house we have, um, the toys that we have, like the boat or like an ATV or whatever it is for you, um, giant camper, fifth wheel that, you know, costs eight grand. And you got it in your driveway because it's a status symbol and you can't afford it. You know that. But what if all those things, though, was not motivated by a reward of the approval from others? or the acceptance of others. But what if now, what if the things that we did, and I'm talking the healthy things, like the goals that we have, you know, <clears throat> it's all good to have goals. But what if the goals that we had, the achievements, the accomplishments, they were not motivated because we wanted to be loved by other people. We wanted status. We wanted acceptance. What if rather they were motivated by the fact, knowing that we're already loved, we're already accepted, we already belong. We're already a child of the Most High God. What if they came from that place rather than I'm pursuing those things to get that thing, right? What difference would that make in our lives? What difference, right? If we could do that, I promise you, body image, sales, money, um, prestige, education, athletics, academics, I promise you none of those things would have any power over you. If you did it, praise God, all glory goes to him. If you didn't do it, you had a bad day, it's okay. I'm still me, and I'm loved by God. It's okay. I didn't do it this year. Hopefully, I can do it next year. I didn't write the book this time, but I'm working on it. It's coming. I didn't achieve my goal weight this time, but that's okay. That's all right. What if we did it from a place where we knew we were already loved, already accepted, already in Christ? Let me ask you a question before we close, and we're going to sing a little bit before we close. What do you need to cease from? And I, and I don't know that answer for you. That's why I prayed earlier. What do you need to cease, cease from? Do you need to cease from the Instagram likes? Do you need to, do you need to cease from trying to impress your friends through what you buy? Do you need to cease from trying to impress others because of your accomplishments? What do you need to cease from today, this week, 
whatever it be. Paul says this in Philippians 3.10. He says, I want to know him. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection, the participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. Keep going. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. What if our goal was rather not to just achieve things, but to know him? Paul says, I want to know him. More than anything else, I want to know him. The sales will come and go. The, the money will come and go. The stuff comes and goes. The clothes will come and go. The gadgets will come and go. My parenting, I'm working on that, right? My body image, it's a work in progress. And that's all. That's all. What, what if my goal is rather just to know him? Just to know him. That in Jesus, loved, accepted, feel like we belong. We don't have to strive anymore. Some of you need to stop striving. Because Why? Because it's wearing you down. Right? It's wearing you down. You're here and you're exhausted. And you're like, I took a nap. <laughs> it's like you're exhausted because you need to cease from worldly striving. We're going to sing this song here. It's kind of an old school song. Um, and it's just about this invitation. That the invitation stands today, right? Come to me. Come to Jesus. And so we're going to sing this song about coming to the fountain, which is Jesus. Coming to the king. Coming to him. And we're going to, as he invites us, we're going to invite him to come, right, inhabit the praises of his people. Would you do this with me? Would you, would you stand up? We're going to prepare our hearts, posture our hearts to worship God. I'll come back in a few moments and we'll pray.